Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. You are now listening to episode 1,721, and I am your host for this evening, Ms. Arsenius Colvin, coming to you live from the great state of South Carolina. I hope that you've had a wonderful Tuesday, hope that you've had a blessed Tuesday, and we're just looking forward to what God is doing in our lives and just feeling grateful and thankful tonight. Um as a matter of fact, before I even get started with anything, um, the past couple of weeks, you know, it's it's been such a joyous time because we're coming out of our Feast of Tabernacles. We've um, gone through the Feast of Trumpets. We've gone through our Day of Atonement. And so now it's like I'm just full of joy. We're in this season of Thanksgiving. And truly, we have so much to be grateful for, so much that we can just think about what God has done for us. He's brought us through so many things that we can't even begin to number everything that he has done, but any chance we get a chance to even just think of what God has done for us, we should take advantage of that opportunity. Just tell him thank you because, you know, the word tells us in everything gives thanks, and that simply means every single thing, whether it's good, whether it's bad, for the good days and the bad days, we still have to say thank you because, you know what, it could be even worse. We could be in worse positions, we can be in worse circumstances, and and that's just enough to tell God thank you and to just be grateful for. And so, again, I'm grateful to be on another night and be a part of Purpose Kingdom Network family. Anytime that I'm allowed to share, you know, good news and to encourage and empower someone, I'm grateful for that moment, and I do not take it lightly at all because, you know, it's didn't have to be me. It could be someone else. But I'm grateful, again, for the opportunity to share, you know, some good news and some encouragement for the people who are listening. And so I would like to welcome each of you who are listening, wherever you may be, whether you're here in the United States, where you're across the seas in another country, welcome to another episode. I'm delighted that you've decided to join in because you could have been doing anything else, but you've decided to join in tonight because maybe there is something you need to hear Maybe it's something that I may say that will encourage and uplift your heart. So, again, my name is Arsenius Colvin. Just recently got married a few months ago, so I'm still in my honeymoon phase, still enjoying my husband. So I'm excited still and grateful as well. So with my nonprofit organization, you know, that's how I started with, with Purpose Kingdom Network. It's called One Touch Transformation. It's a one-touch transformation, like I said, is a nonprofit organization where our mission is to educate the community about sexual abuse while encouraging and empowering all victims and survivors. And so the organization started about eight years ago, and, it, and I started it simply off of my personal testimony of overcoming childhood sexual abuse. Was it easy? No, sir, and no, ma'am. It's not easy to tell the testimony. At least it wasn't, you know, the very first time. And so I understand when people come forward years later, and I know a lot of people may not understand because they may ask the question, well, why did they wait so long? Well, look, I waited 20 years, so I understand. So um, I was a victim of childhood sexual abuse, but 
I um, finally shared my story 20 years later with my family. And after going through counseling and after going through, you know, (laughs) different types of therapy, I decided, like, look, there is something else that I have to do. I, I know that there's more that God wants me to do. He doesn't just want me to, you know, start, uh, well, not just, you know, stop with getting the help that I was receiving, but I wanted to offer more to others who may have been experiencing the same thing, especially those who, you know, in the church. Um, because, you know, I grew up in the church. All I knew was church. <laughs> and so I, I knew that there were some other people who may have been suffering. And so I wanted to make sure that I will be able to help those as well, those silent victims, you know, the ones who are still, you know, suffering and afraid to say anything. And so I wanted to make sure that I was available as well for them and to be a light for them, to let them know, like, look, I understand it's, it's a difficult time. You feel alone and you feel abandoned, you feel broken, but I wanted to be a testimony to someone to let them know, like, look, you do not have to allow your past to dictate your future. You do not have to allow your past or the pain of your past to dictate who God has destined you to become because God, he, even though he does allow some things to happen to us, but it's not what he wants for us in the end. He says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he wants us to live a life of abundance. He wants us to be free. And we cannot live a life of abundance and can't live in freedom unless we are, you know, set free from those things that try to that have tried to break us, that have tried to kill us, that have tried to destroy us. Because, you know, the, the, the thief, that, oh, that old enemy, the devil, he wants us to be bound. He wants to take away our life. He wants to break our spirit. He wants us to feel broken. He doesn't want us to live a life of freedom. He said that the, the enemy and the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that means he is trying to destroy our life. Everything that is positive about it, everything that God has done for us and that is doing in this life, the enemy does not want to see you win. He does not want to see you succeed. And so as long as we, you know, find that to do about it because God is more powerful he is able to to allow us to, you know, break past everything, our past, whatever it may be. And maybe you have not dealt with sexual abuse, but maybe you have dealt with some type of pain and, and you have felt like the enemy has been trying to keep you down and keep you from succeeding and keep you from moving forward. But, like I said, God said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we all have the opportunity to live a life of abundance as long as we want that freedom and experience true freedom, we can and we will live a life of abundance. And so that is what One Touch Transformation has been about, trying to set people free, letting them know, like, look, you don't have to remain in that state that you once were in. Don't allow your past to break you. Don't allow your past to dictate who God has destined you to become. So, again, that's one touch transformation. And, again, I'm so excited to just share some good news, some encouragement tonight. Um, Tonight's going to be a little, I would say, a little bit of Bible study, something that you um, can learn, hopefully, a little bit. Um, The scripture that I'll be coming from is not so familiar with everyone because I'm actually going to be speaking out of the book of Revelation. So a lot of people may not be familiar with 
Revelations, or they may not even want to read the book of Revelation, but what I will be speaking from is going to be coming from the book of Revelation. But before I get started in the in the topic, just remember, if you're listening online, if you would like to call in, that number is 319-527-6091, 319-527-6091. And press the number one, and we'll bring you right on. So if there's something that is said, any questions that you want to ask, feel free to join in on the conversation. I would love to hear from you. So, again, we're going to go ahead and get started. So, all right, first question I want you to think about just for a couple of minutes or maybe 30 seconds because I've got we are, I mean, I'm not in front of you. So um, think to yourself about 30 seconds. How do you want to be remembered? So how do you want to be remembered? And, and and I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Maybe you have, you know, with so much going on in this world, you know, the violence, the sickness, just people killing each other, people dying, which seems like more than ever before. That question, it should, you know, ponder within your head, how do you want to be remembered? Well, I'm going to answer it, and, you know, hopefully if you want to jot this down, this would be something that you can kind of reflect on. But how do I want to be remembered? I would like to be remembered for someone who was helpful and passionate about helping others, especially when it comes to, excuse me, my whole purpose of those who have been abused, you know, children. Like, I really want to be remembered for wanting to wanting the best out of children, wanting them to be helped, not wanting them to suffer, you know, in that state. So I want to be seen or remembered as a compassionate person for people who have, you know, suffered, and especially children, because I really do care about children. I care about their well-being. I care about their environment. I care about them, you know, making sure that they are being taken care of and not neglected and abused. Um but I want to be remembered, you know, just as a good person more than anything. So we're talking about how we want to be remembered, but also which ties in with reputation because while we're living, we all have a reputation, whether it's good or bad. And um, definition of a reputation, a widespread belief that someone or something has a particular habit or characteristic. So what characteristics do you want to be remembered by or what are some characteristics that you, that people already view about you? Are you a good person are, or are you a nasty person? Do you have a good attitude one day and a bad attitude the next day? Are you approachable? And these are things that we should think about because we are always interacting with different people, and we want to make sure that the people who we interact with, that we're making a positive impact on them and not a negative impact. We don't want to be known as that nasty, that nasty sister outside the church or that – ungrateful brother outside of the church because we don't want to be seen one way inside the four walls and then another way outside of the four walls because it's already seen enough. You know, there are too many church people who have a bad reputation as far as their attitudes and, and, and not just what they do, but just attitudes, just being polite and having manners, being nasty. And so think about that. How do you want to be remembered or what is, what is your reputation right now? What are some characteristics that people say about you? What are some known characteristics that people actually know about you? Now, granted, we all do have some 
some ways that we may not be pleased about, but it's not like we're going out advertising it. And sometimes we may try to, you know, hide that side of us because, you know, we're trying to put up the best. But what is your reputation, um, you know, just in, society, in your community, not even society, but in your community? Can people in your community say good things about you? Are they able to say, oh, yes, yeah, she is a good person or he is a good person, he has good character? He, she has good character. Can the people in your community or even in your neighborhood, can they even say that you are a good person? Or do you, do you have a good name? So Proverbs 22 and 1, it says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. So it is better to have a good name than have all the money in the world and just completely nasty. Like, who wants to be around someone who is just ungrateful, always complaining, nasty attitude or bad attitude, don't know whether they're coming or going, always have something negative to say? Who wants to be around someone like that? That's just so draining. When you think about it, think about the people who you work with. There's always that one person who's being so negative, and it is so draining. I cannot stand to be around someone who's always complaining. It just does something. Like, it irritates me. And so when you have, but when you have a good name, someone that you can vouch, like someone can vouch for you, someone can speak on your behalf, so much better to, like, want to be around that person. Like, I, I, I love to be around positive people. I love to be around people who are always trying to put their best forward. It, and, and it's a good name, someone that you can rely on. It's better to have that than great riches, than to be, you know, rich. Because, you know, there are a lot of folks who, who have a lot of money, who are wealthy, and do not have the best attitude. All right, so um, that was the King James Version, but check out what the, how the message, version, the message version words it. It says, a sterling reputation. We're talking about that sterling, sterling silver. So a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. A gracious spirit. Ooh, I love a gracious spirit. Don't you? When, you, when you're surrounded by people who have a gracious spirit, it gives you a sense of peace and calmness, and, and you don't mind just being around them. You don't mind just, you know, talking with them, fellowshipping with them, because they're just so gracious. And I'll take that any day over someone who has, you know, all of the fame, all of the money, but yet will not speak to his or her neighbor. Oh, because it does happen. When people get so high, they feel like they're not on our levels, like, oh, I can't talk with them. Oh, you peasants, you know. <laughs> but when you have a gracious spirit, you have a different attitude. You have a gracious attitude. You have a positive attitude, a loving attitude. People like to be around that. And so that is so much better than money in the bank. Because you know what? When you have a gracious spirit, that will take you, you know, to places where money can't take you. Yes, money can buy a lot of things, but if you have the right spirit, if you have the right attitude, positive, in a t- positive attitude, then that too can take you to other places where money cannot. We've got how do you want to be remembered? What's your reputation? 
and and what does your name say about you or what what yeah what does your name say about you and even when we look through um the old testament I'm sorry, the New Testament, excuse me. When we look through the New Testament when God was setting up the church and when they were setting up the church, there were seven men chosen even in Acts. And then um, in Timothy it talks about the the type of men or the type of people that were chosen, the deacons, the bishops. They had to have a good name. You just didn't want any and everybody. Not saying that you have to be perfect because we know that they were not perfect, but they still they had a good name. We had Cornelius, we had Timothy, um, Ananias, Damascus. I mean, look at what Paul became. Saul being changed over to Paul. He had a bad reputation, you know, (laughs) but he changed his life. So even if you do have a bad reputation, you can still change. You can change your name. And, you know, and Paul literally had a name change going from Saul to Paul. Now, granted, living in the society that we do live in, there are some people who will still bring up your past or would love to say, remember when? But we can't let that discourage us because when God makes a change in your life, you don't have to prove it to anyone. You do not have to prove it to anyone because you know that God has changed it. He has done the transformation. A transformation has taken place. Despite what people may think of you, despite how they may bring up your past, if you know that God has changed your life, then, hey, you have nothing to prove. And, and, we, and you have to have that attitude. And, and people, they can change. A lot of times we as humans think that, oh, he ain't going to never change or she ain't going to never change. But people can change. If God does something in their life, people can change. They really can. There is still hope. There is still hope. So even though we may give up on people, people may give up on you, God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on you because there is still hope for that. There's still hope for that tree. There's still hope for it. So people can change. And so even if, you know, we we all have sinned, we all have sinned and have fallen short of his glory, but thank God he sent his son Jesus to die for us so we could have a transformation that takes place in our life so that we will have an opportunity or still have an opportunity to change our lives. And even after we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, there are still some times where we're going to mess up. There are some times where we may, you know, slip and fall. But guess what? God still has grace upon us. He still shows mercy towards us and still gives us chance after chance to repent and to, 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 to change even when we slip and fall back into our past, as long as there is still life, there is still a chance to change. But don't wait too late, you know. Don't wait until you're on your dying bed. But there is still hope and you can still change. And so the reason why I'm focusing so much on, you know, name change, how you want to be remembered, um, your reputation is because what I'm about to talk about is focusing on the, the, you know, the world church. So we know that the church consists of many bodies. I'm sorry, many members, but we're one body. And so God's church is not just limited to, you know, your local area or, you know, wherever you are. But the church as a whole, we, I know sometimes there are some leaders and there are people who, in, who are in leadership positions 
who can give the church a bad name. And you know what? If, if, if you're like me, sometimes it frustrates me so much because it's like I, I'm trying and, we're, and those, you know, those of us who are trying to be a light, sometimes it makes us feel like, you know, we have to work twice as hard or three times as hard every time there's a scandal that is circulating on the Internet or in the media, all because someone is not being held accountable or don't want to take full responsibility for what he or she did. Like, we get that we are not perfect. Even as believers, we get that we are not perfect. But there are some things that that we can or should be able to control and when it gets out in the media, it makes us look so bad, and it's very frustrating. And and this is not something that has just started happening. This has been going on for you know forever and a day. So there, you know, we know that there's nothing new in the sun. It happened in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. It's ha- it happened before I was born. It happened while I was a child. And it's happening as I am an adult. We just see more of it now going on because of the access to the media that we have, you know, especially the social media. And you know as soon as something happens, it's going to go viral because people love gossip, people love juicy news, people love to see scandals, people love to see when people in high positions, especially in the church, are doing something wrong or when they have done something that go against the church and against God. But me as a human, I, I, I get very frustrated about it because here are some of us who are trying to show and be a light. Sometimes it makes it a little harder for us. But what I've realized is that we can't stop doing what we're doing. We can't stop being a light. We can't give up. Just because someone else has allowed their light to become dim or has allowed it to go out does not mean we can allow our light to go out. We cannot dim our light. And so... If you go to Revelation chapter 3, like I said, a lot of people don't visit the book of Revelation. I'll be honest, I don't. But <laughs> we, um, I sort of took on an assignment at church, and it kind of stuck with me because it's so relevant today, it's very relevant today, and it's something that we need to be reminded of. It really does. All right, so we're going to read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. And it says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how... Thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So this is only one of the seven churches that um, John and um, was speaking on as far as um, what was seen back then. So even though this Sardis was, uh, you know, many years ago, the things that are said in this particular 
um, passages are so relevant today. And even in the first verse where he says, I know thou works that thou has a name that thou livest, thou art dead. So even though you say that you are this, the church of life and have so much, you know, life in you, you're really dead. And when I looked at the meaning of Sardis, it literally means prince of joy. So how is it that this church, which which was, you know, first known as joy and life, has now become a dead church? And if we look around and if we're honest, we can see this happening before our very own eyes. The The church can appear to be dying. And I'm not just talking about your church. I'm not talking about my church. But like I said, I'm talking about a church as a whole. With everything that is going on, we can see that there are some churches that are dying. Where it's supposed to be the place of refuge. It's supposed to be a place of, of fullness, of joy, fill of his spirit. But there is no joy to be found. That His spirit is nowhere to be found. And so now... What has now, what what has what used to be a church full of life is now a dead church. And so the, it lets us know also in this first chapter where he was saying, the first verse, it says, the church of Sardis, you, you had this reputation that you were living and full of life, but you're actually dead. So the church supposedly looked good on the outside. You know, and even if you do your research about how these buildings and these, um, how the how everything looked in Sardis, and all, and then the other churches that are mentioned in this in this um, in this chapter, they were beautiful. And how many times have you been to this grand and beautiful church, but when you entered in, you didn't really feel anything. Then since his presence, since since no spirit, no joy. And sometimes it's like that. So the church is supposedly, it supposedly looked good on the outside, but inside it was dead. The building was grand. Fully decorated. It had the best of the best, but lacked the true spirit. So I don't care how beautiful the church is, how big it is, there is no spirit. If his spirit is not in there, then what's the use? You can have the best of the best. You can have the best instruments. You can have the best sound system. You can have the, even the best singers and the best musicians. But if God's spirit is not in it, I don't want to go. I don't want, it's just, it's, you know, just a show. But how many times have we walked into places where we, you know, we have seen this. We have experienced this. I don't know if you have, but, you know, I can say that I have. I have. And, and it just, blew my mind, like, when you see how beautiful the place is, but how much it lacks God's spirit. It, it's not inviting, you know. I don't want to say, and, you know, and to be quite frank, I did not say when, when I did experience that. I went in and I was like, hmm, yeah, I can't stay for this full service. And, and sometimes it's like that. So the church, it once had power. It did the work of God, knew to always return to God anytime they got off track or disobeyed God. So he's saying, like, you used to do this. <laughs> you knew to do this. 
And today we know to do that, but there are people who just, I guess, feel like they, there's no need to repent. There's no need to return to God. And it's like, how do we get to this point? How do we reach this point where we feel like we don't need to repent anymore or we don't need to return back to God? I mean, that's that's what he's for. Anytime we get off track, we should have some kind of conviction just to look, ooh, I know that was not right. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. The Holy Spirit will let you know when you are off track. The Holy Spirit will let you know when you are doing wrong or when you shouldn't have said that or when you shouldn't have done that. And it's like, oh, Lord, let me repent. No, no, no. Forgive me, Lord. Repent. Anytime you, you mess up, you disobey God, he said you, you used to do that. You had the power. You did the work of God, but now all of that has changed. So... And he said, if the church continues to stay lazy, asleep, they will be caught off guard when Christ returns. Because remember, he's coming like a thief in the night, so we always have to be ready. We always have to be ready. Because in the third verse, it says, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So he's going to come whether we're ready or not. But he wants us to be ready. So we cannot we cannot become lazy, we cannot fall asleep, especially in a time like this. There is too much going on not to stay prayed up, not to stay close to God, not to return to God, not to, you know, allow his spirit and his power to uh, flee away from us. No, we do not have time. Like, time out for games, time out for foolishness. We do not have the time. I don't have time to argue with anyone because I'm trying to make sure my soul is right. I'm trying to make sure that I am ready. So all of these games that people want to play, no, it's time out for that. I'm not trying to stay lazy. I'm trying to keep my spirit and keep myself close to God because I want to be ready. I want to be ready. And so anytime, like I said, when the Holy Spirit lets me know, like when I get a sense of, whoa, you off track, I know what I got to do. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. It gets you back on track real quick. Real quick, <laughs> I mean, it will slap you in the face sometimes. Like, you know, we all know. We all know when we're wrong. We all know when we've, ha- when we've slipped. We all know when we've backtracked. And so God wants us to stay like that. Like, come on. We can't, we can't have you getting lazy. You can't be waiting to say, oh, I'm going to repent later. No, later may not come. Later may not come, so that's why you can't get lazy. You have to be ready. Be ye also ready. <laughs> so if the church continues to stay lazy and asleep, they will, you know, be caught off guard. And something interesting that I learned about Sardis before it was overtaken, you know, completely. Let me tell you, the city was taken twice. Get this. It was taken twice in its history when enemy soldiers climbed up the cliffs and took the city by surprise, twice, not one time, but two times. Why? Because they were lazy. Tension. That's why he told us, be watchful. They were not watching. So what happened? They got overtaken twice in the exact same way. Now, come on. Come on. We can't be that lazy. We can get caught off guard, you know, twice the exact same way. But you have some people who 
this is happening to them. It's like they're continuously falling in the same old trap. Like, come on. And God has to continue to rescue you every single time, time after time. Like, we we have to be thankful for his grace and his mercy. I'm for real because I'm telling you, if he were to ever, you know, say, okay, that's it. You're not learning your lesson, so, you know, it's going to be your last time. (laughs) Thankfully, he doesn't cut us off like, like men do, but come on. We can't just abuse his grace. That that doesn't give us license to sin. It doesn't give us license to mess up purposely, you know. I get we're not perfect. We are not perfect, but just because his grace is sufficient doesn't mean that we can just do any and everything anytime we want to, anytime we want to and expect to get by every time. Because just because he saves us every time doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with the after effects or you know, there are repercussions, there are consequences. But we still thank thankful for his grace and thankful that he has mercy upon us because he could cut us off any time if he wanted to. But thank God for his mercy. I mean, come on, it's like at some point, when are we going to get it? When are we going to actually say, okay, it's time to repent, it's time to stop doing this, time to stop, stop making God look bad, you know, stop making the church look bad. Um, it goes on saying that thankfully, you know, he said there are some people that are, you know, there there are some people who are trying to do right, and it's like there there's a there's a raiment of them, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look out for them. I'm not gonna blot their name out. They're gonna have their um their name written in the book, and that's that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to be in that remnant. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be in that remnant. I want my name in the book. So thankfully, there there are a few that still have life. There are still some people in this world, and when we're talking about the church world, there are people who are still living right. There are people who are still honest about who they are, what they do. There are still some gracious people out there, some spirit-led people, and I'm thankful, and especially for leaders. I'm thankful for genuine leaders, those who are the same way in the pulpit and outside of the pulpit. I'm thankful for those leaders. I'm thankful. No, they're not perfect because no one is perfect, but they are genuine. And I love to see it. I love to see genuine leadership in churches, genuine leaders, not faking it, not acting one way when they're around certain people and acting another way. But it is so fulfilling, so fulfilling when you see genuine leaders and genuine leadership when it's operating in the ministry. It's it's a beautiful thing. And so there are still some people, there are people who have not forgotten about Jesus, and he calls them worthy. He said they are worthy. And their name will be written in the book of life. So that is our ultimate goal. Despite what others may do, what others may say, how they may act, they may put up a front, they may pretend, they may fake it, but despite those who do that, hey, don't worry about it because, you know, God is going to, he's going to have their way, have his way in their life. But as long as we are staying, you know, awake, 
We are being watchful. We are always returning to God, repenting, and continuing to do his will and do the works of God. He said we'll be worthy to have our name written in the book of life. And that's what I want. And I hope that's what you want. But in order to, you know, reach that, we've got to keep working. we got to stay awake. We can't get lazy with it. I know it gets hard. It gets frustrating. We get tired. But that's why we return to God every time. Every time we're frustrated, every time we're feeling down, every time we're feeling, you know, tired, when, when, we, when we know that we have to go or need to go but don't feel like it, the spirit is always willing, but we know we're feeling a little weak. Our body's a little weak. We're a little tired. But that's what his Holy Spirit is for. It gives us the strength that we need to continue to go on because someone needs us. We have to continue to be a light. We don't want to represent a dying church, but we want to represent a church that is still full of life, still full of his spirit because someone is watching. Someone needs to go to a place where it's still a house of refuge. Remember, we are the church and not just the building itself, but we are the church. We are Christ's representatives. And we know that we are the bride of Christ. So, of course, we got we to gotta look our best, do our best, be on our best behavior. Because if we are representing God, then, hey, we know we got to do better. God just doesn't go for any and everything. He doesn't look like any and everything. He wants the best. He wants us to look our best, do our best, be our best. Not perfect, but striving, you know, to be called worthy, striving to have our name written in the book of life, striving to be a, a, a church full of life, full of his spirit. And there were a few things that I looked for as, you know, recognizing a dying church, and um, I do want to read through them. And, it, and I mean, it's just something something to really think about. And we have to kind of examine ourselves. And, and I'll even tell you to, you know, examine your home church. What does your church look like? Because I, I did this with my, myself, and I did this with my church. So it's like, what does your church look like? Does your church look like a dying church, or is it displaying signs of a dying church? And there may be some things that I'll call out, you know, it's like, well, it could be happening, but not everything on the list. And there are things that we all can do to come up because there's always room for improvement in our personal lives and, you know, in our church communities and, you know, whatever church that you may be a part of. So this is not to pick on any church. This is not to call any church, a dying church, because I don't know. I can only speak for my personal life and my personal church. So as I go through these things, I want you to think about yourself and think about the church that you may be a part of. Um, and, and maybe there are some church leaders who are listening. I don't know. But just think about things that, that I call out. And these are, you know, signs of a dying church. All right, so one sign is there are no functional prayer gatherings, no prayer to seek God's presence. So how many churches are actually still praying together or having some type of prayer gathering? And so that's something something to think about, you know, where 
churches would often pray one with another. And I know that there are, you know, different um, groups who may have, like, morning prayers, which is awesome. They have, like, you know, early morning prayers or maybe evening prayers. But that is needed. In order for the church to stay alive, prayer gatherings are needed. It's what strengthens the church family and it's what strengthens, you know, each individual. So it strengthens the church members individually and also as a whole. Um, another sign of dying church of a dying church is there is no expectation for answered prayers, no anticipation that God will answer prayers, no faith in God. The church is dead or dying. When the church is lacking that faith in God or lacking the fact that they believe that God is still healing or still answering prayers, that is a sign of a dying church. Another sign, the presence of God is missing in the assembly of saints. No sense of God's presence during worship, even with the promise of two or three gatherings. So sometimes, you know, like I said, I have seen it or been in a place where, you know, even during the worship service, the people, there's there's no sense of his presence, even though he said two or three are gathered. But if you are consistently in a gathering or in a church or wherever you are and sense no presence of God and he's missing during worship, I mean, out of all time during worship, this is your time to really commune with God and, and talk with him and love on him. But if you sense no presence during that time, and that is a sign of a dying church. Um, the power of God is not manifest. The, mirac- the miraculous is not the norm. The casting of demons, prayers of moving mountains, no divine intervention. If that is lacking, that is a sign of a dying church. The word of God is presented without authority or anointing. Do religious leaders still instill faith, motivate action, or convict sin? What are they talking about these days? And like I said, this is not everybody. But if the word of God is not presented with no anointing, then what is the use? It's just words coming out. Um, few, if any, people are saved or get baptized. No people are being saved or baptized. When was the last time that you had a baptism at your church? When was the last time you had someone to confess that they are saved? Um, every church service is predictable by the minute. No room for the Holy Spirit to operate. We're going to do X, Y, Z. Don't leave any room for the Holy Spirit to come through. And there are some services that do operate like that. You already know, okay, this is going to be praise and worship. After that, we're going to have the announcements. After that, we're going to have the offerings. After that, you know, there are some predictable services that do, that do not allow room for God to take over. Again, I've seen it. I've seen it. And I just can't partake in a service like that. I'm sorry. No offense, to, you know. <laughs> um, no, no pattern of disciple making. No commitment to making Christ followers. That was huge. That was really huge because we have to train, including me. We uh, it, it, like there is no one person to blame because we all have a part to play and whatever church that you attend, because if it's not being done and we see that it's not being done, then it is up to us or up to someone to speak up and say, hey, this needs to start happening. This needs to take place. We need to create or make disciples. The youth is coming up. If there are no disciples being made, then who is going to carry on the church? So it is important to create or make Christ followers. Teach people what it means to commit to God. Um, the people jockey for positions and titles, seeking the glory but seeking titles. Oh, my goodness, that's a huge one. How many times you heard people argue about titles? Like, come on. To me, and I, this, this is just me, titles are not that serious when it comes to 
you know, the glory of God, seeking the, um, seeking God's glory. Because I have seen where people have got offended if you didn't acknowledge them as elders, such and such, or a pastor, such and such. And we're, I mean, and I don't get it. They're so focused on titles instead of the glory of God. Like, it, you can just call me Arthenius. You can call me Sister Arthenius. I don't have, you don't even have to call me Minister Arthenius. You don't have, you just call me Arthenius or Sister at that. Because it's not important to me. My main purpose is to, you know, help someone shine the light of God so that they can see it, so they can sense it and feel it and change. We want to provoke change and not worry about titles. Um, no divine sense of mission and purpose, no vision. The people perish. If the church lacks the vision, then how can it continue? Few people volunteer to serve. No one wants to serve. Everybody wants to be served but don't want to serve. Um, few people support the church with titles, I'm sorry, with tithes and offerings. That's a whole other topic that we can go into, but for time's sake, I'm just going to leave that alone. But you have to financially invest into your church. I mean, I do. I, it's important because it's the only way that the church can operate. Now, there are times when people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing with the tithes and offer, and that could be a reason why people are not investing in the church financially. But like I said, that's for a whole other story or a whole other discussion. And the community doesn't get impacted, no salt, no light shining. If church revival doesn't bring positive change to their surrounding community, it's not a real revival. It's just a renewal, which is primarily for the church. So I know a lot of churches have revivals, which, hey, by all means, have them. But if that revival is not provoking a change in your surrounding community, then what's the use of having it? Make sure that there is purpose behind I will say that make sure that there is a purpose behind that revival. And if it is just a renewal for that church, then okay. And so if we find ourselves and if we find um, the church that we're in or a part of, the community that we're part of, if we find that it is dying, then we need to ask God to resuscitate us or resuscitate the church. And, I, and um, there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with it because the only way that we can get to this point, we have to acknowledge what we have done wrong. We have to acknowledge what we are lacking, our, our weaknesses. And so, and it starts with confession. It starts with confession. So all we, we have to confess individually. It starts with us individually. When you know that you're not where you need to be or where you should be, not up to par, then it's time to go back to God. Like God, like he said, like you knew you used to come back to me. I don't know what happened, but you used to come back to me. But he tells us in Romans 10, chapter 9, and verses 10, he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. So it starts with confession. When we confess to God of all of our wrongdoings and our sin, and we repent unto him, he is just. He is just, and he's willing to forgive us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, to have our name written in the book of life, to be called worthy. So in order to reach that ultimate goal, we have to confess, we have to repent, we have to return to God. And so I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. And and for this moment, I want you to think about yourself. So not just about the church. Now, although we are all a part of the body of Christ, we are individually, you know, living this life for ourselves. We can only go to God for ourselves. No one else can save us. No one else can repent for us. No one else can confess for us. But we have to do this individually. We have to do this from our heart, and we have to do this for ourselves if we want to be saved in the end, if we want that, that everlasting life and have our name written in the book. So I don't know where your relationship stands with God tonight, but use tonight, use this opportunity to return back to God so that you can be resuscitated, so that you can be revived and renewed, and so that your mind can be transformed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in order for us to be resuscitated and to be renewed and revived, we have to have a transformation to take place. And so wherever your relationship is now with God, we're going to pray with you tonight, and you can use this opportunity. And maybe you have not ever accepted God into your life, but now can be the chance or the opportunity to do so before it's too late. Because remember, he is returning soon like a thief in the night, and we do not know what may be or when our last day may be. But before it's too late tonight, repent and confess your sins to God. Because remember, he's listening, and he's willing to forgive you for all that have sinned. We have all sinned. We, I know that you're not perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect, but I'm asking you to accept God so that he can help you strive for a life where you can live of abundance. And and not saying that even after you accept him, your life still won't be perfect. There will be times when we still mess up, but we have a Savior that we can always return to, and his Holy Ghost will always get us and keep us on track. It will lead us and it will guide us. And so I ask that you pray within your heart and that you confess tonight and that you repent of everything that you have done. And we're going to pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We love you just for who you are. We love you because you first loved us. It was nothing that we could have said, nothing that we could have even done. We can't even repay you for the love that you showed towards us. You showed your love towards us when you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins that we might be saved. And, Father, we thank you for that. And, God, we ask that you look within our hearts, and we ask that you forgive us of all of our sins, all of our transgressions, anything that we may have said, any evil thought, any evil deed, anything that may have come against you, anything that comes against your will, God, we ask that you forgive us. Lord, we repent of all of our wrongdoings up until this present moment. Lord, we thank you for your blood that saves. We thank you for your blood that heals, your blood that delivers. And so, Lord, we ask that you just come into our hearts tonight and remove everything that is not of you and fill it with your Holy Spirit. God, grant us that we need in order to live for you. God, we ask that you just um, cleanse us. God, create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit, oh God. Purge us, oh God, with your hyssop. 
so that we may be clean and white as snow. Lord, we ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we may be righteous and may live by your Holy Spirit and obey your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit is a comforter for those times when we need strength, for those times when we feel weak, for those times when we feel like we don't know which way to turn, but we know that your Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us to all truth. So we ask that you order our steps, O Lord. Guide us in the name of Jesus. God, help us to put you first in all that we do. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways that you may direct our path in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We receive you tonight, and we bless your name. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you because you loved us first. And, Father, I pray for those who are listening wherever they may be, those that are near, those that are far. Lord, I pray that you continue to cover them. Cover us all in the name of Jesus. Keep us from all evil. Keep us from all violence. God, keep us from the evil of this world. Lord, help us to be ready when you return. Help us to stay ready. Help us to always return back to you when we may fall. Lord, we ask you to heal those who are brokenhearted. Heal those who are who are sick, those who have those diseases and any ailments. Lord, we know that with your stripes, We are healed. So, God, I speak healing tonight in the name of Jesus to that little boy, that little girl, to that man and that woman. God, the doctors may say one thing, but, God, we know that your word says that with your stripes we are healed. Lord, I ask that you continue to strengthen us from day to day. Look on the entire Purpose Kingdom Network family. Continue to strengthen us. Keep us uplifted. Help us to to encourage your people and empower your people and to live for you. Lord, I ask you to bless those who are connected to us. God, look on those who are in an office and those in authority. God, we ask that you direct them for the decisions that they even make. Lord, we thank you tonight. We love you tonight. We give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, so at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Rob. He's going to give us our announcements for Purpose Kingdom Network, and I'll return back to close this out. All right, all right. So real quickly, this is a product of Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode, no matter where in the world you are, whether you're listening to us via phone or if you're listening to us via Internet. We greatly appreciate your listenership and support here at Purpose Kingdom Network, and we uh, really appreciate those to share with your friends and family members. And uh, so we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Okay, anytime you want to send us an email, you can email us at purposekingdomnet at gmail.com where you can send your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send a, friend, or, or a prayer request. We gladly honor that. Also, we invite you to like us on our Facebook page at Purpose Kingdom at Facebook. Uh, there you can see our upcoming shows and advertisements. And from time to time, we do make announcements there on our Purpose Kingdom uh, Network Facebook page. So feel free to, uh, you know, to uh, like us, and uh, you'll be updated. Okay, and once again, uh, when we do a live broadcast, we're broadcasting live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. When we do a live show, you can have, we do have a call-in number, which is 319-527-6091, and anytime you want to talk to any of the hosts, you can just press the number one. Also, on that same website, if you want to hear any of our past broadcasts, 
you can just simply go to that website at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. You can just simply type in the host name or the show name. You can hear that show in its entirety and at your convenience. Okay, and also don't forget that Purpose Kingdom Network does have its own radio show. Yes, we do have our own radio network, which is pkn.com. So please check it out. That's pkn.com, and you can check it out from there. You can listen to 24 hours of musical inspiration. And, uh, of course, we thank those that share with your friends and family members. Okay, and tomorrow evening we will be broadcasting at the 9 p.m. hour. And with God's one God's blessing, we hope you join us for the dwelling place, which is going to be hosted by Minister Dominique Hudson. So once again, at the 9 p.m. hour, it's going to be the dwelling place with Minister Dominique Hudson. Okay, and that there will be the end of the announcements. And um, we are pretty much enjoy your listenership and, and uh, for those that support us. Thank you so much. And with that being said, Minister Je- uh, Minister Colvin, uh, the show's back in your hands. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brother Rob, for those announcements. So there is um, one quote that I would like to close out with, and um, it was, you know, to go along with things that, that's going on in the church world, you know, scandals that we see and how I said sometimes it's a little frustrating and sometimes it's a little irritating. But um, this quote said, I can't remember who said it. I wrote it down, but I can't remember who um, quoted it. But it says, the greatest challenge we have in this nation is not our political leaders, but a lack of power and conviction in the pulpit and the pews that can produce world-changing Christ followers. So I'm going to read that again. It says, the greatest challenge we have in this nation is not our political leaders, but a lack of power and conviction in the pulpit and the pews that can produce world-changing Christ followers. So we know that our political leaders part in what's going on, you know, and even in the church, in the church world. Yes, they do play a part, but we can't blame them 100%. I don't even know if we can blame them um, 85%, 50%. But what we can do, instead of blaming them and instead of putting everything on the government or political leaders, we have to take a look at ourselves, the pulpit and the pews. So it's not even just leadership in the church. It's not just the pastors and the leaders, the apostles, the ministers, but it's even people in the pews, the church members, the congregation. We are all responsible for producing the world, those next world-changing Christ followers. If it's not happening in the way that we see it should be happening or if it's not happening at all, it is still up to us. We are still held accountable because we know the truth and we know what we should be doing, what we ought to be doing to help benefit the church, not just your local church, but the church as a whole. God wants us to produce Christ followers. He said be fruitful and multiply, not just in children, but even in ministry. When it comes to, you know, bearing fruit, when we're producing fruit, producing others to do the same thing, we're all accountable. We all have a responsibility. And so, again, we don't want to be seen as a dying church, but we want to be as a church that continues to return back to God and a church full of joy and and a church full of life. All right, so I hope that something 
that was said has prompted you or kind of kind of give you some motivation to, hey, you got to get back to it. got to get back to it because we don't want to be overtaken. We don't want to be caught off guard. So at this time, I would like to thank all of our online listeners. I want to thank everyone who tuned in um, either online or by phone. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the night. And if you can, be sure to tune in tomorrow evening. All right, y'all be blessed. Have a good night. Jesus bless. He raised me. I will not lose. He saved me. I will not lose. Set me free. I will not lose. Never wanna see me down. I will not lose. He saved me. I will not lose.